are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. There are several areas in which God gives a second chance. In the first place, God gives the second chance. I mentioned the salvation. And in the second place, God gives a second chance to preaching. Now, here's the story of Jonah. The, the word of God came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. And the Bible says that Jonah didn't. Jonah went down. By the way, you, the Bible says he went down. You always go down when you leave the will of God. Any time that God says do something, you don't do it, the way down is inevitable. It didn't say God went up to Joppa. He went down to Joppa. So he went down to Joppa. You folks are on the Holy Land trip. Joppa is, is right there about where the airport is in Tel Aviv, just about there. It's called, what is it called now? Lo, lo, lo. Lod? Oh, Lod, that's right, Lod. Lod. And uh, some place around there called Lodi, I think it is. And, uh, but right there about uh, where the airport is, is where Joppa was. And so uh, he went down to Joppa. What did he do? He caught a ship. Caught a ship to where? Tarshish. Now, where's Tarshish? Tarshish, I think, is England. Now, there are those who think Tarshish was Spain. And maybe it was. Some people do not know. Uh, some people think it may be Spain or England. I think it was England. So uh, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Jonah said, go, go to Nineveh. And Jonah went the other way. He went down to Joppa. He got on a boat. The boat was going to England. And uh, Jonah decided to leave the will of God. And the great storm came while they were on the boat. And uh, so the mariners all got together and they said, who's causing the storm? Let's cast lots and see who's causing the storm. And they cast lots. Now, when you cast lots, they'd get some stones maybe. And they would put a mark on one of the stones and say, we had four of us going to cast lots here. And so we, we'll get four stones and I'll put a mark on one of the stones. So we're going to pray. Say, dear Lord, let the one that's guilty get the one, get the stone that has the mark, the mark on it. And so we give each one a stone and we shake them up. And uh, I'll take one, you take one. And the person that had the stone, that had the mark on it, the lot fell to him. So all the mariners got around, they cast lots. And uh, when everybody opened their hands, Jonah said, uh-oh, he said, mine has got the mark on it. Maybe they did it another way, but that's one way they did it. And so Jonah said, that's right. I left the will of God, and they threw Jonah overboard. Well, there was a big fish that was hungry, hadn't eaten for a while, and certainly hadn't had roast preacher for a while. And uh, so uh, he saw, uh, by the way, uh, backslidden roast preacher is very tough. And uh, it made the whale sick at his stomach. And so Jonah, uh, the whale came along and, and saw a good meal, and he decided to to, let, to eat Jonah, young people, and uh, I'm going to eat you in a minute. And uh, he decided to eat Jonah, and Jonah stayed in the belly of the whale three days and three nights. Now, I actually believe it. A lot of you folks don't believe it. How many of you actually believe, honestly, sincerely, really and truthfully, that Noah stayed in the whale three days and three nights? Raise your hand, would you please? No, it was Jonah. Noah was in the ark. And, <coughs> but uh, anyway, you're listening, and uh, not very well, but... Uh, Jonah, Noah was in the ark. I better teach you some Bible. A lot of you folks don't know much. And um, so um, three days and three nights. Now, that's why in Matthew chapter 12, verse 39 and 40, our Lord said, as Jonah was in the belly of the whale or fish three days and three nights, even so must the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. That's why I do not believe in Good Friday. Jesus was not crucified on Friday. He could not have been crucified on Friday because he was in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. 
And you cannot get three days and three nights between three o'clock on uh, Friday afternoon and Sunday morning. The truth is, he was in the heart of the earth. He died three o'clock on Wednesday afternoon. He was in Thursday night and Friday night and Saturday night. He was in there all day Thursday, all day Friday, and all day Saturday, and came out during the night on Saturday night. So Jesus was, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and he came out during the night on Saturday. Uh, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, then Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And But anyway, Jonah was there three days and three nights. Now, by the way, it has been proved scientifically that that has been done. There have been others who have lived inside the body of a big fish, and, uh, and if there hadn't been, it's still true. But uh, here's something very interesting. The Lord, Jonah decided <laughs> the Lord came unto him the second time. Isn't that wonderful? And Jonah said, I think, I, I think Nineveh would be better than this. And so the whale got sick of his stomach and vomited Jonah out. And there's a wonderful truth there. Read it a while ago. Said that Nineveh was an exceeding city on a three days journey. And it said after one day's journey, Jonah got there. He was in a hurry to get away from that fish, wasn't he? <laughs> he, he thought that might be an amphibious fish or something. But Amphibious fish. That doesn't sound right, does it? But a, a fish that could go on land. But he, he was outside the will of God. He had paid the price. You always pay the price for getting outside the will of God. Young people. You go right ahead and go your own route. You reject the will of God. You forget the will of God. But you hear me, you'll pay the price for it and you'll rue the day that you did not marry, live, serve in the will of God. That's the only place in this world you're going to be happy. Listen, when you became a Christian, that ruins you for ever enjoying the world. Completely. Completely. You never will. It may shine brightly, but a Christian will never enjoy the world like an unsaved person will. You weren't made for the world. You're made to serve God. And so Jonah got in the will of God and great revival came. But he came, the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Now listen, God has called somebody in this house to preach the gospel. And you don't want to be a preacher. Or your wife doesn't want you to be a preacher. Or you have children, and your children don't want you to be a preacher. God said, rise and preach. And you said, no, Lord, I'm over 30. Or no, Lord, I've got a, I've got a, a career I want to pursue. I want to be an airplane pilot. I want to be an engineer. I want to be a mechanic. I want to be a banker. I want to be something else. I have my own life planned. I want to be... no." God comes the second time and says, I want you to be a preacher. Do you know what I've come? I've come to this conclusion. I've come to the conclusion where if I believe if you just want to be a preacher and if you'll just take off preaching, I don't think God will stop you. I've heard Dr. John Rice say time and time again that he didn't know if he was called a preacher or not. He just said one time at Pacific Garden Rescue Mission, he started preaching and said he's going to be a preacher and said, Lord, I'm going to preach to you. Stop me and said, I'm, old, I'm 74 years old, and 75 years old, and God hadn't stopped me yet. Now, the truth is, every Christian is supposed to be a preacher. Go ye therefore and preach the gospel to, 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 uh, uh, to every creature uh, is, is given to every single person. Now, listen to me. Young men, if, if God has put you in the First Baptist Church of Hammond, if God has placed you in this church with all the emphasis on young people, don't you think that God must be planning on calling a great crowd of young men to preach the gospel from First Baptist Church? I'll say the very fact that you're here means that probably you ought to give serious consideration to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm talking now to somebody that God called when you were 18, now you're 30. 
And the word of the Lord comes tonight the second time saying, I'm talking to somebody 25 years of age. You're out of college now. You've gone and studied for accounting or you've studied for engineering or you've studied in the, in the school teaching field maybe. And, uh, and the Lord calls you to preach back yonder seven or eight years ago. You're not prepared to preach. But tonight the word of the Lord comes the second time saying. That's one thing we're doing in our college. We're opening. We're going to have a, for, for men over, th oh, I guess 30. We haven't set the age yet. But, uh, but pre preachers who are over 30 or some certain age will set, we're going to have a one-year crash course where we can load their guns and get them out preaching as soon as we can. You said, well, the house, I'm 45 years of age. I'm too old to preach. Moses was 80 when he started out. Charles E. Fuller was 40 years of age when he was converted. I'm saying, has God called you to preach? Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about all of a sudden you have a, a desire to, to, be a, to be a preacher and, you, and, and, uh, and it sounds good. <laughs> One fellow came to my office. It's been about a year or two ago. And he, he looked like this. And his, his tie was like this. And he had egg. Listen, he had egg on his trousers that was splattered off one of those hens that came down the gangplank in the, in the ark. Uh, he... he he came and he said, Brother House, I think God's called me to be a preacher. I said, how do you know? He said, I've been a flop at everything else. <laughs> now, don't you come flopping around the ministry because you're flopping everywhere else. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about a fellow too lazy to work at the steel mill that says he decides he wants to preach because that looks easy. Uh, across the country, I tell about this man that had ten sons. He said the first was a lawyer and the second was a liar too. He said the third was a banker and the fourth was a crook too. He said the fifth was a school teacher and the sixth was at a state institution too. He said the seventh was a doctor and the eighth one stayed up all night too. He said the ninth was a preacher and the tenth one didn't work for a living either. Now I'm not talking about an easy way out. Just because these guys don't work don't mean that some preachers don't. And uh, I'm not talking about an easy way out. I'm saying that if you say, well, I flopped everywhere else, don't you come to the ministry. Uh, you say, well, I'm not happy where I am. I, I, I'm just not, I believe I'd have more fun preaching. I'm not talking about more fun. I'm talking about if God has given you a burden, there's a lost world, and somebody had better get out and reach that lost world, and you believe God wants you to be a preacher, do it. Do it. We don't have much time to waste. And the word of the Lord came the second time. The word of the Lord came the second time. But there's a second, a third area in which the Lord gives a second chance, and that is the, the area of rightness with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Someone has a, a bitter feeling toward another. Now, I'll be honest with you. There's nothing in the sight of God, I think, any more distasteful than for one Christian to be mad at another one. I, to me, if the perfect Son of God, if God who never sinned, if God in whose mouth was never guile, if God who was perfection incarnate, if God who was never tainted with wrong, if God who never had an unholy thought, if God who is perfect could love and treat properly sinners such as you and me, the least we sinners can do is treat each other properly. It's beyond comprehension to me why any of us would not be nice to the rest of us. Uh, you said, Hiles, I have bitterness in my heart against somebody. Then get it out. Get it out. Get it out. But you say, preacher, you don't understand. Her dog came and dug my flower bed up. I don't care. Get it out. Get it out. Kill her dog, but get the bitterness out of your heart. I'm saying this. Listen to me. It is no way to live. It is no way to live harboring bitterness and criticism and grudges. Get it out. And so the word of the Lord comes a second time. Don't you recall the story of Jacob? 
Jacob had a brother, Esau. Now, I'm not fond of Jacob. I'll be honest. I'm not fond of Jacob. You've heard me say before, I tell my people with the Stormer, that if Jacob and Herbert Humphrey were running for president, I'd vote for Humphrey. That's how much I hate Jacob. Uh, I, uh, I don't have much use for Jacob. Any, I don't like sissies. I just don't like sissies. And Jacob was cooking soup while his brother was out hunting. That just does not appeal to me. When I get to heaven, I'm going to give Blake, Jacob a glorified punch in the nose in love. One of the first things I'm going to do. But anyway, I, I don't like Jacob. But Jacob, you know what? He had a brother named Esau. Esau was a big hairy man. Big fella. Hunter. Robust fella. He man all the way. And Jacob was the mama's boy. And so Jacob was making some chili one day, and he had a new, a new recipe, and he was so proud of himself. And uh, Esau came in from hunting, and he said, I'm about to die. I'm starving to death. I'm hungry, and uh, I don't think I can make it much longer. I'm, I'm, I'm about gone. And Jacob says, I'm making some chili. And uh, Esau says, let me have a bowl, Jake. And he says, Esau, I'll sell you a bowl. Esau says, give me a bowl of that chili. And Jacob said, well, no, but I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll trade you for it. I'll trade you if you give me a birthright. Now, the birthright meant that he got a double portion of his father's inheritance. It also meant that he had the priestly duties of the family, and it also meant that he was, he was in the lineage to carry the seed of the promised Messiah. Can you think of anything any more wonderful than that? Here was Esau had in his loins the seed of the promised Messiah. Here was Esau who would get twice the inheritance of Jacob. Here was Esau who would, was the one in case of the father's death would be the priest for the family. And uh, Esau, Esau said, well, I'm, I'm about to die anyhow. Okay. And Jacob said, okay, give me a birthright. And, J and Esau gave him his birthright for a bowl of soup, the dirty chiseling Jacob. That isn't all. Um, Isaac, the father, was about to die. Now, Isaac favored Esau. I don't blame him. I do, too. Isaac favored Esau. Rebekah favored Jacob. And, uh, and so came time to die. And, uh, and uh, I Isaac was going to bless Esau. But Isaac was blind. And, Jacob, and Esau was a hairy man. Jacob was a very fair man. And Jacob, uh, Rebekah told Jacob, said, now put some hair on you and let your father rub the hair because he's blind. He'll think you're Esau. So Jacob put some hair on him and slipped in. And the father rubbed Jacob and said, oh, you're Esau. And Jacob said, that's right. And Jacob got the dying blessing of es of, that Esau should have had from his father Isaac. And Rebekah came and said, Jacob said, uh, uh, Esau's going to kill you. And Jacob said, okay, but I got the blessing. I got the birthright. She said, you better take off down home, down to Peyton Aram, 500 miles away, because Esau's going to kill you. And Esau said, I'll kill it. And Jacob took off. That's where he saw the latter vision the first night when he slept. He went on down to Peyton Aram, stayed there for 20 years. <laughs> I like the story down there, though. I like it when somebody gets what he deserves. And uh, so Jacob fell in love down there with Rachel. And oh, he loved her. And so he went to Laban, her father, and said, could I, uh, could I marry your daughter? And Laban said, if you'll work seven years for her, you can. And Jacob said, that's no trouble. I'll work seven years for a woman that beautiful. And so Jacob uh, worked seven years. And uh, so they got married, and they went home. And he lifted the veil, and it was Leah. <laughs> it was her sister, and I'm glad about that. And uh, he said, I got the wrong woman. You've heard about 20 years with the wrong woman. This is seven years for the wrong woman. And I got the wrong woman. And uh, no better still, I got the wrong woman. And, uh, and I'm sure, uh, but uh, Laban, he, Laban said, okay. Jacob said, I'll work seven years for her. But uh, Laban said, well, Leah's the oldest. You'd have to work seven more years to get Rachel. And Jacob said, okay, I'll work seven more years. So now he's got two wives. And uh, he has children. He becomes a rich man. 
but he's down there for years. He gets thinking about his brother, Esau, and the word of the Lord came the second time, and Jacob wanted to go get right with his brother. So Jacob said, okay, I'll, I'll go, pack up, come on kids, come on wives, come on, let's go, we're going to get right with Esau. And so they traveled all the way back from Paden Aram, 500 miles back to the promised land, and he stops there at, at the river Jabbok, and he tells the other folks to go on over, he wants to stay by himself. Tomorrow he has to face Esau. Tomorrow he looks in the face of that big, strong brother who said, I'm going to kill him, I'm going to kill him. But Jacob said, I've got to get right. I've got to get right. I can't face my brother uh, with something against him. I've got to get right. Oh, would God tonight, everybody in this house that has bitterness towards somebody would say, I can't, I've got to get right. Don't misunderstand me now. Don't go to them unless they know. Every time I preach like this, about 40 folks come to me and say, I want you to forgive all the dirty things I've said about you. Don't tell me about it. If, if, if I don't know what you've said, tell the Lord about it. Don't tell me. But um, Jacob said, said I'm, I'm, I want to get right with Esau. And if he kills me, okay. So he got a lot of gifts to give him and, and got on his face alone across the river Jabbok. And he cried. And he said, oh, God, I'm not going to go alone. I'm not going to give me a blessing before I face Esau tomorrow. And the Lord, the, the angel came, and Jacob talked to the angel. And the angel said, okay, Jacob, I've got to go back. And Jacob said, no, you're not going to go back. No, you're not going to go back. I, I'm not going to let you go. And the, the angel said, I've got to go. Dr. John Rice says that's a fixed wrestling match. He said, do you think that's really on the level? He said, you, don't you? He said the angel said, look, Jacob, I'm out here in broad daylight. It's going to be a, a scandal to the jaybirds. Uh, 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 angel out here wrestling in broad open daylight. It's getting morning. Everybody's going to see us wrestling out here. Well, I'm not sure about that, but I know one thing. Jacob said, you can't go. I've got to see Esau. I'm not right with my brother. I'm not, I've got bitterness, and he has bitterness, and I'm going to make it right. He may kill me, but I'm going to go to him. And so Jacob wrestled until his thigh was out of joint. He was crippled all the rest of his life. And the next day, morning, Jacob is limping across, and he comes over the other side of the river Jabbok, and there's Rachel. And Rachel probably said, Sweetheart, what's wrong with you? And Jacob said, Nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong. Everything's wonderful. And she said, I can't even limp. I'm having a hard time doing it. And uh, she said, But you're limping. He said, I know it. I know it. He said, uh, By the way, don't call me Jacob anymore. I got a new name. My name's Israel. Word Israel means prince because I've wrestled with God and I have, I have, I'm now a prince of God. Why? Because he got right with his brother. Listen, do you know who God, whom God called the prince? The great preacher? No, the one that got right with his brother. Do you know whom God called a prince? The great prayer? No, the one whom God, who got right with his brother. You know whom God called the prince? The one who memorized a lot of verses? No, the one who got right with his brother. God says, Jacob, okay, you've paid the price, you've wrestled, now I'm going to give you a second chance to get right with Esau. Can you picture the next day? Here comes Jacob up. They haven't seen each other in 20 years. Now, bear in mind, Jacob was a sissy. And Esau was a great big, and he was a mean rascal. And from Esau came the great, came a, a wicked wild race called the Edomites. And Jacob says, okay, here it is. And there comes Esau. And Jacob goes to him. And he says, Esau, I, I want to tell you before you kill me, I'm sorry. I, I've been wrong with you. I'm sorry, Esau. Now, here, Esau, I want to give you some things. And he gave him a lot of things, a whole list of things. And Esau said, that's okay, Jacob. Take them back. I don't want them. You're forgiven. And Jacob said, oh, Esau, I'm sorry. And Esau said, that's okay, Jacob. That's okay. You were young, and that's all right. 
And can you picture, I can picture on those Judean hills, even now, these two brothers, now up in years, embracing each other, making it right. Let me say this, dear friends. Don't ever hold any bitterness toward anybody. Don't ever be unkind to people. Oh, when I go off the broadcast every morning, I say, be good to everybody because everybody's having a rough time. You know, when I first saw you, Brother Stormer, I read your book, uh, None Dare Call It Treason. And I said, good night. That fella must eat nails for breakfast. And what he doesn't eat, he probably pokes them in the eyeballs of little boys and girls. That fella is Amy. And so I was in, Can in uh, St. Louis preaching one day, looked out, and one, one of the fellows said, that big tall fellow back there, that's John Stormer. I said, the one smiling? And he said, yeah. Well, I thought, surely you never had smiled. I mean, after all, fellow right none dare call it treason. I thought, surely you never smiled. And, uh, and uh, did you know God's people ought to be the kind people and the courteous people? And did you know God's people ought to love each other? A certain preacher, big preacher in the country, he, he said something about me. And it really wasn't kind. It wasn't real nasty, but it wasn't as kind as it ought to have been. And I called him on the phone. And I said, okay, doctor, I want to tell you something. You go ahead and shake me if you want to, but you're not going to do it. I'm going to hang on to you like a, like a dog hanging on to the seat of somebody's britches. I'm going to hang on to you. He, I, I said, okay, go ahead. Be my enemy. I'm not going to be yours. Hate me. I'm going to love you. Criticize me. I'm going to brag on you. Curse me. I'm going to bless you. You're not going to shake me. And he said, okay, that's the way it is. I won't try. I love you. And uh, now I'm simply saying, I, you, if you want to live with bitterness, go ahead. If you want to live with unkindness, go ahead. If you want to live with a, a dirty attitude, go ahead. But you don't have to. The word of the Lord comes a second time and says, get right with your brother. Get right with your sister. Get the gossip out of your heart. Get the, you say, brothers, you don't understand what she did. I don't care what she did. I don't care what he did. He didn't, he didn't nail you to a cross. He didn't drive spikes and nails in your hands and feet and pull a crown of thorns down on your head. He didn't put a spear in your side. He didn't put you on the cross. He didn't, uh, didn't beat you with a cat of nine tails and scourge you with the scourging of the cat of nine tails. That's what they did to Jesus. And he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Well, you say, she didn't ask me. <laughs> you don't have to. She didn't have to ask you. Just forgive. The word of the Lord came the second time. But there's another area in which the word of the Lord comes the second time. The, 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 the Lord comes the second time to give you the chance to serve God's man. Hold it. You say, I'm not going to serve any man. If you're right with God, you will. To serve God's man. I'm not talking about giving me cherry pie, uh, unless they're naturally grown cherries. Uh, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about uh, one lady, for example, in our church. She's, ba she's baked me an a angel food cake every birthday for about eight or nine, I guess, birthdays. And this year I just preached bought that message on Bible study on how you ought to eat and I know she was scared to death but she had the courage to bring it over and uh, brought me an angel food cake on my birthday now I didn't necessarily need the angel food cake but I needed the loving and went behind it uh, I was thinking tonight about Harley Belt Brother Fisk when Harley Belt had his first heart attack I told the story I never told you who it was I went to St. Catherine's Hospital to visit him and uh, they said he was on, on, I think it was room 591. It was the new, new part. And you know, get off the elevator. Remember how it is? You turn right, go down that way. It was on the left. And I got off the elevator, and I heard Harley Belt's voice. And Harley was saying, now he's the one that died this week. Harley was saying, he's the best man I know. And I wanted to know who the best man he knew was. And I listened. 
I went right outside the door. And the fella in the room was not liking me much. And Harley was standing up for me. And the fella had said something about I was a fanatic. And Harley said, oh, no, he's not. No, he's not. He said, that's the best man I know. He, and by the way, Harley was a smart man. But uh, he said, that's the best man I know. He said, that fella, he's not afraid. He stands for what he believes. If it's unpopular, he stands. He's the best guy I know. And I stood outside for about five minutes and just listened to Harley Belt brag on me. and had the biggest time in all the world. After I went in, I said, Harley, I said, you left out a few things. I told you some more things good about me, too. But uh, I, I just rejoiced and thanked God. Why? Because somebody stood for the man of God. Don't you remember the story of John Mark? John Mark went with Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey. They went from Antioch to Cyprus to... Um, What's that city, town, town, uh, town in Cyprus? Uh, Pan, not Pamphylia. Huh? No? Uh, what's the town in Cyprus? Where, where they struck this guy blind? Seleucia. Is that it? Seleucia. And uh, what's Seleucia? Now, aren't you glad I waited and found that out? You would never have known. And on, they went on up to Pamphylia and... Between Pamphylia and Antioch of Pisidia, there were some, there were some, some hills and, and some straits through which they had to pass. And John Mark got uh, scared. He was a young man, and he did not stand beside the preacher. He went back home. So Paul and Barnabas went on up to Antioch and Pisidia, on over to Derby and Iconium and Lystra. And, ba- and Paul was stoned, left for dead, met Timothy there, came back to Lystra, back to Derby, Iconium, back to Derby, back to Antioch and Pisidia, back down to Pamphylia, then across... Uh, on over to Antioch, where the home church was. And now is the second missionary journey. And so Barnabas uh, and pa- Paul said, Okay, Barnabas, let's leave and go back and see how the churches are doing that we established. And Barnabas said, Okay, John Mark, come on. Paul said, No, we're not going to take John Mark. And Barnabas said, Yes, we are. He said, He's my nephew. We're going to take him like we took him the first time. No, Paul said he chickened out. That's in the Hebrew, in the Greek, by the way. He chickened out. He chickened out. And Paul said, We're not going to take him. And, John, and Barnabas said, Yes, we are. And the Bible says there was no small contention. And that word contention means to rub together two pieces of metal. Did you ever shovel on the, on the street and, and hear the, hear the and, and, you know, the shovel against concrete? And it just does this to you? Well, that's what the Bible word is. They, they, there was no small dissension. And Barnabas said, we're going to take him. And Paul said, we're not. And Barnabas said, we are. And Paul said, we're not. And Barnabas said, we are. And Paul said, the truth is, you're not even going to go. So Paul took Silas on the second missionary journey and left Barnabas at home. And John Mark didn't go. But wait a minute. Way out yonder, Paul is alone, deserted. He's an old man now. He writes a letter and says that John Mark is here. John Mark? Yeah, Paul gave John Mark a second chance. A second chance. Now, there are others in the Bible, other things in the Bible, uh, other people. Job got the second chance. Samson got a second chance. Elijah got a second chance. David got a second chance. Naomi got a second chance. Thomas got a second chance. But now let me say this. In all fairness, I must say this. There is a day when even God's patience grows thin. You say, well, preacher, I'm glad to hear the good news. He's the God of the second chance. I won't get saved. I'll live for the devil till I get old. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. God's patience will wear thin with you. The Bible does have verses like this. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. The Lord does say, my spirit will not always strive with man. Proverbs 29.1 does say, 
uh, he that being often reproved and hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. The Bible does say God gave them up to reprobate minds. God gave them over. God gave them up three times in Romans chapter 1. Now God comes tonight. Here's what happened. God calls once, young people, and God calls twice. But then God's patience begins to wear thin. God comes to you who are not saved and says, come to me. I want to save you. Put your faith and trust in me. And you say, no, not tonight. Later. And uh, God does come again. Thanks be to God. He does come again. And he says, okay, I want you to be saved. You say, no. And the Lord comes again. Says, I want. Listen, did you ever, did you ever play when you were a kid uh, on a, go swimming in a creek? Anybody here ever go swimming in the old? Remember the old swimming hole days? That's before we found out about algae and, uh, and, and so forth. Uh, we didn't have any, uh, you know, we didn't even put any, any uh, uh, chlor- chlorine in, in, in the water in the old swimming hole. We just, we just chased all the snakes away, <coughs> most of them. And, uh, but we'd go down, I can see it now, out in Trinity Heights, down near Lindale uh, Park. We had an old swimming hole. My mother didn't know it. She's here tonight. I'm confessing it. She didn't. If she had known it, she'd have died. And, uh, but uh, had an old, old-fashioned swimming hole. And we'd get a, remember, they have a limb out over the, over the creek. And what'd you put on that limb? Huh? A tire. A tire. Or you take, before you put the tire on, tie a knot in the bottom, put a rope on the limb, huh? And tie a knot in the bottom of the rope. What'd you do? You'd, you'd take it out like this and you'd throw the rope like that. And then the rope would come back. And what would you do? You get, get back here. I can see it now. Get back here and run. And as that rope starts back, I start forward and run and get the rope and swim across if you're lucky. And, uh, Otherwise, we did what we called the belly bust. <laughs> and uh, remember that? The belly bust. And uh, so, um, the, uh, uh, but now I'll tell you what. Sometimes, here's what I'd do. I'd throw that rope out, get me back here. I, the rope would be swinging. About the time it came back, I'd take off. And I'd chicken out. Chicken out's a Greek word for scared to death. And I'd chicken out. And so I, uh, I'd get back in. But you know what? The rope came the second time. But the next time it came, it didn't come as close to me as it did the first time. And the third time, it was a little farther away. It kept swinging, but it was sort of like this. And before long, there was no way in the world I could reach that rope. When I was in the paratroopers in World War II, we, had, uh, we, did, we learned judo, and we got big sandbags, and we'd hit, hit this part. Of course, judo the, it, it's used a chop, and we had this part, this part of your hand, one of the secrets to it. And so we'd get on our knees for an hour at a time and just hit that handbag, just like that. You know, the fir- first day, my hand was so sore, I could hardly stand it. But, you know, after we kept on hitting those sandbags and kept on 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 and kept on, did you know a callus got there? And before long, you could, could hardly feel it. And I, my hand got so calloused right there and so tough right there, I could, I, could, I could take my hand, really, and hit a board and break it in two. And it, I, I'd hardly feel it. Why? Because the same thing had been hit. Now listen, when the Word of God comes to you and says, Come to Christ, be saved. He keeps hitting, but every time he hits, your heart gets a little more calloused. 
and it's easier to say no. The Lord comes the second time, the third, the fourth, the fifth, and after a while, the Holy Spirit can't be heard, and you've crossed the deadline. Same thing is true about the call to preach. Did you know God could come and say, I want you to preach. Arise, go to Nineveh, and preach again, cry against the sins. And you won't go. The Lord comes back the next time and says, Arise, go to Nineveh, and cry aloud against their sins. You don't go. The Lord comes a third time and says, Arise, go to Nineveh, and cry aloud against their sins. And the Lord comes a fourth time and says, Arise, go to Nineveh, and cry aloud against their sins. You don't go. The Lord comes again and says, Arise, go to Nineveh, and cry aloud against her sins. And he comes the next time and he says, Arise, go to Nineveh, and cry aloud against her sins. And after a while, it's too late. And so you die, never having fulfilled the purpose. The Lord comes the first time and says, Make it right with your brother or sister. Get that bitterness out of your heart. And you feel convicted, but you say no. The next time the preacher mentions it in the sermon, the Lord says, Get that bitterness out of your heart. And you say, I should, but I won't. I'll do it later. And the next time the Lord says, get that bitterness out of your heart. And then you say, no, I'll do it later. And the next time, get that bitterness out of your heart. And you don't. And the next time, get that bitterness out of your heart. And you don't. And the next time, and you don't hear it anymore. And you die a kind of death of a person dies who's, who has who's bitterness in your old age. You, listen, you wait till you get old. You think you, if you can't live without bitterness when you're young, when you get old, you'll be the kind of fellow that when the ball goes over in the yard, you'll, you'll, you'll take the air out of it. Yeah, you'll be the kind of old crabby lady. I never forget it. We had one in our neighborhood on Ann Arbor Street. Every time our, the ball would go in her yard, she'd get, get it and keep it. And so when... Halloween came, we dedicated a few things to her. <laughs> now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit the altar after I tell you what we did. But she had been doing that all year. She had stolen about a dozen of our baseballs, and they, we didn't, the base, baseballs didn't come easy with us. She'd, let, she'd get our football, let the air out of it, and then throw it back out on the field. And so her yard had a little decorative fence around it about that high. And we got a truck, and one of the bigger boys, we went around and collected all the garbage from all the other houses. Wasn't it nice of us to take everybody's garbage? Huh? Guess where we put it? You guessed the first time. We put it inside that fence. And she woke up the next morning, and she had garbage two feet deep. <clears throat> and uh, it was awful. You know how I feel? I feel like the little boy that, that uh, he, he came in and told his mother, said, Mama, I just killed a cat. And the preacher was there, and the boy didn't see him. Mom said, what? How'd you do it? Well, I just took him by the tail, and I just wound up like that and got against the brick wall, and I fought him at the brick wall. Then he saw the preacher, and he said, and then, Mama, he went home to be with the Lord. <laughs> and that's the way I was. Did you know that's what you're going to be? Go ahead. Go ahead, young people. Don't speak to other girls in school. Go ahead. Hold bitterness in your heart against each other. Go ahead. But one of these days, it'll grow and grow and grow and grow, and you won't sleep at night, and you have a guilty conscience, and you become an old cynic when you get old, and your life will not have been rich. Listen, there's nothing that'll wreck a person as much as holding bitterness against somebody else. Oh, boy. Get it out. 
get it out while there. Maybe tonight the voice of God says, get it out. But maybe it says, just get it out. But maybe you said no so long it says, get it out, get it out. The Lord comes a second time, but the voice isn't as loud. So while, t- while tonight, if you're not saved, hear the voice of God while you can still hear it at all. Come to Christ. If God has called you into his service, if you can hear the voice of God at all, yield to the call of God. If you have something in your heart against someone, if you can hear the voice of God at all, get it out. Get it out. The God of the second chance. But he is also the God who someday says, Ephraim is joined to his idols. Let him alone. Ephraim was filled with idols. Idols everywhere. God says, Ephraim, come out of your idolatry. He sent the prophet to to cry aloud against Ephraim, turn away from your idols. But Ephraim wouldn't do it. And God sent the man, and again and again he sent the man, and finally God said, never mind. He's joined to his idols. He said no so long now. There's no use in it. He's joined to his idols. Do you hear the call of God tonight? Has God called you into the service of himself? The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Do you hear the call of God tonight to get bitterness out of your heart toward another? The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Do you hear the call of God tonight to be saved? The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Do you hear the call of God tonight to be faithful to the men of God and those who lead and to loyal to the church and its work? And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. Say, in closing, don't you think it would be a wonderful thing if after you've gone, some preacher could tell a story like I told about Harley Belt. Huh? Don't you think in heaven tonight Harley Belt is pleased that he stood for his preacher and for his Lord? Huh? Isn't it a wonderful thing that a man can get up and say, Harley Belt has gone to heaven. But I never forget that day I went to St. Catherine's Hospital and I heard him say, I like him. He's the finest fellow in the world. He helped my family. He helped me. I'll stand for him. Don't you, don't you wish that maybe when you go, somebody can say that? Then hear the call of God. To preach? Maybe. To serve? Maybe. To get bitterness out of your heart? Maybe. To be saved? Yes. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. I'm glad about that. I'm glad. God wanted Jonah, and God wants you. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, Visit KNBBC.com for Christian music you can trust.